went to blatant races, twas on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took a bus from Bambrus, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the route to Bladen. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us gunning. Passing the folks upon the road just as they were standing. There were lots of lads and lasses there, all with smiling faces. Gunning along the Scotswood Road to see the Bladen races. We flew past Armstrong's factory, read up to the Robin Adair. Just gunning down to the railway bridge, the bus wheel flew off there. The lasses. You're what's good, ladies and germs. Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. It's your boy here, Elijah, and I'm joined once again, as always. That's that's the new the new thing these days. Uh Josh. Josh, how are you doing? The new always. So. The new always. That actually sounds like that could be marketable. Maybe we'll have to write that one down for uh, to see if someone's using it. No, I'm doing well. Uh, good to be on the show this week. So, yeah. Yes. I. I yeah. It, it's not like we uninvite you. So. No. No. Sometimes you're not living. You're not living week to week on the show. So. Well. No, I, I want to just clear up any rumors. <laughs> we could use some. Yeah. Maybe if people want to send some money in, or no. Uh, yeah. Or not. Or. Oh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, so yeah, we have a wonderful episode for you all today. This is, I think this is 186 for us. So uh, shout out to, to CHN Radio. Um, quick news and notes. CHN Podcast, follow that account on the Twitter. Same with at Coming Home NUFC. Graham's been cranking out articles left and right. So be sure to check out what he and um, our good friend Antonio are writing on the site, I believe. Busy, busy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's been crazy. Uh, Graham just wrote a pretty cool piece about um, Newcastle's transformation into uh, being really good at set pieces, which is something that we were not just really bad at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's, the, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that's like really worth noting? Uh, there, I think we did talk about this last week. I don't know if we actually talked about this last week because mm. I think it came out afterwards. But uh, Graham had a really good piece on Sean Longstaff, uh, and I kind of discussed it on the pod, and I, I guess I could kind of teased it. Um, yeah, that yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's considered a scapegoat uh, because it just feels like Newcastle fans have always needed someone to blame so be sure right. to check out some of that stuff on there um and we'll we'll get right into the thick of things uh josh give us the update on the newcastle women's team if you if you're so if you could be so kind yeah so uh, they were back at it in league play um it looked all locked up in their most recent match um and they i think they were playing they were playing barnsley themselves and then katie barker came out of nowhere with like a heroic 93rd minute now I can't I can't actually see highlights. Um, I don't see the match, so I'm sort of trying to read the match report that the that the team put on the website, and it sounds like she caught a full volley. Um, so like a 93rd minute, last minute full volley winner. I mean, it can it be more exciting? Um, and so they beat Barnsley, leapfrog Barnsley and Durham into second place, um, even on points. Um, so they. Going to second place, they play Sunday away to York City, and should they win, and then Leeds, who is in first place, if Leeds draw or lose, then Newcastle go top of the table, 
right? And I know it sounds like it's early doors and we've just started talking about this team, but they've got 13 league matches left, but they only have 13 league matches left. That's it. And every match is a must win. It has to be because only one team can be promoted. So, um, and we'll bang on that. We'll bang on that like pretty much every week until the season's over and they get promoted because they are going up, but it's going to be a fight. Yeah, I love the confidence. Also, this is just a random question that we can maybe do some exploring later on, but I'm kind of wondering if they take a break for the World Cup. I would imagine they wouldn't. So that the se- is the season going to end? No. Essentially, it, like, like it, you know, oh, go ahead. They stretch it out. So there are a few matches that run. I think there's three or four matches in November. So they yeah. run through the World Cup. So actually, um, and maybe if someone, if a listener knows of a way to catch a um, a stream, if there's a stream out there, let, let us know. Because we'll, I mean, with no club matches, we'll report on, we'll report on the, the women if we can catch a stream and, and, and give it a watch. Yeah, I think if they end up playing it, I would imagine the next time they play it, St. James is that they'll, uh, yeah, they have that November, that November 27th. They play there. I think they play Druid park two times in between now and then. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Okay. Uh, I just threw in a last minute, a quick news update. Um, this will be really quick. Uh, cause the rest of the news is fairly quick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some rumors floating around about, uh, Gareth Southgate's, 55-man England roster. And so we already knew of two players that are likely on that roster uh, Mm -hmm. for the 55-man camp. Uh, They're, you know, I'd say pretty much shoe-ins for the World Cup squad and Karen Trippier, who um, many are saying is potentially the most informed right back in the Premier League right now. Um, (laughs) They weren't expecting that. But. Yeah, they weren't expecting it. I mean, and yes, there have been some injuries that have helped that, but still, that's not yeah. the point. Um, and then, of course, Nick Pope, who is is continuing the challenge for this number one spot uh, in England between him, I'm assuming Ramsdale, and... Uh, and Another guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, the dinosaur arms. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> But there's been one other wrinkle added into the World Cup camp. Um, Callum Wilson, who is uh, actually, I would say... I think technically speaking, he's the most informed English striker right now. Um, which, which is a, it's, it's weird to say out loud, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. I think only Holland is, is really surpassed him in terms of just uh, pure goal scoring ability. Um, but I don't think there's any other England players who are who are scoring in, at the rate that Cal Wilson is and assisting. I think he's yeah. got nine goal contributions in nine games, uh, so six goals, I think three assists, um, or something along those lines. So. Uh, the the rumors are, are swirling around and, and people are starting to confirm them. This came from the athletic and we trust them with our, our lives. Callum Wilson's been named in that camp. Um, unsurprising uh, addition, uh, given that uh, Gareth Southgate came to see Callum Wilson play and uh, Callum Wilson delivered. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts the, on, uh, on yeah, Callum or the nod? Yeah, I heard the Guardian talk about it and confirm, well, as best they could this morning on the uh, Guardian Football Weekly. Um, and they had an interesting point in that Harry Kane, I think, is Harry Kane's got the starter locked up. I mean, even mm-hmm. if he's even if he's not as informed, which I, I can't I can't confirm or deny because I don't watch all Spurs matches. 
Um, yeah. I watch as many Newcastle matches as that I that I can lay my eyes upon here in the states, but I do not watch all the Spurs matches that are available. So I don't know what type of form Harry Kane is in. But my, my I'll say this: yeah. Harry Kane looks good in most Tottenham matches. Tottenham just don't score goals, so yeah. it's it's like you know Newcastle are scoring goals left and right. So I think it's you know you, you look at it on paper and it's like I'm mean, Callum Wilson's you know clearly. I mean, but yes, all of Newcastle scoring goals. Uh, pretty well, but to Kerry Kane's point, he's also doing a lot of things that are interesting that aren't talked about, which is his ability to kind of drop in to the midfield and, and be a distributor as well. So yeah. Anyway, as you were saying, no, yeah, and that's what I was, that's where I was going. I think Harry Kane does a lot more than um, what his his club side allows him to to show, and I think he drags the whole offense forward um, and and gets you know gets everyone involved. And I expect Harry Kane to start, but Callum Wilson, I think. Um, I mean, I can't think of somebody that can contribute more off the bench, and I would expect Wilson to get as many minutes as he can, and it's good for him. I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for the club. Um, I mean, it's nice to have Newcastle have a number nine right playing yeah. in in the World Cup, but I'm also not an international soccer fan. Like, I don't dig it because I am club first. And yeah. wouldn't it be a shame if Wilson tweaks his, you know, tweaks a hamstring or something while he's out on on international duty, right? Yeah. And I don't yeah. mean to, I don't mean to jinx it, but that's sort of, Callum Wilson isn't like a a maybe. It's a win, right? When he gets injured mm-hmm. next, and the less he plays, not you know outside of you know a Newcastle kit, the better off the club is. But also, like the World Cup's a big deal, especially for a player and especially for an English player. Um, it, I think yeah, it especially for a guy like Callum Wilson, who's yeah. been knocking at the door, he's had a couple. He deserves this. He it, deserves very it. much. Yeah, it, it's deserved, and, and and he wants it, and he's been very vocal about it. Uh, it's it's the funny thing about you know players having podcasts now is that like, and we haven't really talked about Callum's uh, comments on his podcast. I but should listen to it. I actually don't, and I really ought to. It, it, it's hard to listen to. I don't know. It's not like on. Spotify and stuff like that. It's like through, I think it's, it might be the BBC or something. It's, it's, you have to like go online to listen to it. So, which is the only deterring factor for me is I want to listen to it, but I'm like, uh, too many steps. And I've already I'll hunt it down, man. Steps. I'll hunt it down. I'll find the easy yeah. way for you. I'll but find I mean, the, yeah, the we should way. because he, he's like constantly giving out really good quotes. And so, I mean, there was, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he, he straight up was like, I want to go to the World Cup. Like, and that's, that's his goal. And so, yeah. Uh, it, it's good for him, but I think everyone's got the same concern. Um, maybe, maybe not the not maybe not the folks in the UK because, from what I can tell, a lot of people still in, in the UK obviously take a lot of pride in in the national team and see them as contenders. Um, which we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think Calum will will be a good addition for them off the bench. And I also this is the last thing I'll say on on Calum, but. I also feel as if, you know, you know, maybe Vardy is the only other sort of like true number nine. If you think about like who England who are potentially sending them to the World Cup, they've got a, a wealth of attacking talent. But a lot of those guys are, are guys that play all over. I mean, I think maybe if Dominic Calvert-Lewin's in the mix as well, uh, that's another sort of like truer number nine traditional like fox in the box or in Callum's case, he'll, he'll go up and win header. Same with DCL. Um, and, and Vardy to an extent. So I think that also brings a different dynamic than Harry Kane, who has, of course, started out as a very much traditional number nine, but has certainly had a, a sort of renaissance uh, in the past couple of seasons of being able to drop 
drop in and play almost as a center forward at times. So I'm excited for that um, and excited to see what England does or doesn't do at the World Cup because it still is Gareth Southgate who may not be getting the best out of those players. People are asking, who knows? All right, let's move on. Um, This should be kind of quick, but um, for the first time in this podcast history, uh, I have to say a bunch of... (laughs) month awards uh, there was the there was the, the the one i think this was this might have been the season before last where steve bruce was uh, one manager of the month which was hilarious um so but uh we've got we've got a lot of people and it's quite it's quite likely that newcastle do some sort of clean sweep so uh first and foremost eddie howe was nominated for manager of the month alongside Mikel arteta and pep guardiola um Record-wise, Eddie's got the best of the bunch. I think in October, we didn't lose at all. Uh, and I think Pep lost once, and I want to say Arsenal lost once as well. Um, so very, very likely that Eddie Howe could win a manager month, and it's I think it's very deserved. Um, the only people who are saying uh, it shouldn't be Eddie Howe on Twitter are Sunderland fans, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um and, you know, there was one guy who literally commented, Mikel Arteta, he's got the Sunderland Crest, and the Newcastle fan responds, what are you doing on a Premier League page? This isn't for you, which, fair. It's good. It's good dig. So, Eddie Howe, Manager Month, any any thoughts on that, Josh, uh, on uh, him being nominated? I feel like that's pretty, pretty straightforward. It's a, it's a, it's, you know, in the parlance of an American, it's a home run for me. Like, yeah. You know, it's a no-brainer. He's, he's done an outstanding job. We talk about it week in, week out, almost to the point of nauseam um, about how impactful how has been on not just the squad's morale, but the transforming players individually. And I think it transcends his record. And, you know, even, even if it's the best record of the three who have been nominated for manager of the month, mm-hmm. it's what he's doing sort of um, in addition to that, that typical leader stuff, you know, yeah. stuff that would be expected of a good manager. It, you know, it's, um, not just tactics, but it's leading and transforming these players into men um, yeah. and, and playing like men on the field. And like that, that's something that cabbage head could never do. Of course. Uh, and, and yeah. Uh, and I think more, I would say I've noticed this a bit more just on the YouTubes, on, on, uh, on the sky sports segments, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot more people are starting to finally look beyond look at the money that Newcastle spent because I mean, partially to, to Eddie house credit, Miguel Amarin has just been unconscious this season. And I think it's forced people to realize that this team is good, not just because they spent money, but because it's a well-coached side. So now yeah. there's a lot more, uh, I say there's people are actually paying attention to what's going on on the pitch. And it's been cool to see a lot of actual really solid tactical breakdowns, but People also giving Eddie Howe credit for transforming Joel Linton, transforming Miguel Amaron, transforming uh, Fabian Cher. And they're talking about the brilliance of how he's utilizing Bruno and things like that. And so it's been cool. And people are, of course, very quick to, to point out that this month of October was done largely without Alan Al- 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 Maxman and, uh, and Alexander Isak. I mean, both it just got injured at some point and Newcastle are still pressing on and looking really good. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, Miggy's been nominated for Goal of the Month uh, for his volley against Fulham. That's another one in which I would be fairly surprised if uh, if it doesn't win uh, its in its respective award. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know if there's really any thoughts besides uh, I could watch that goal 
over and over again and not get tired of it. What can I say? I got, I've got, it's, I'm speechless. Miggy deserves all of the um, kudos that come his way. Yeah, I would say there was, I mean, he's, he's had four insane goals this month that all probably were worthy of, uh, of nomination. So I'll leave it at that as well. Uh, but I think that to be another one, Newcastle could run away with. And then finally, uh, this is probably the, the big, the big award is uh, player of the month. Um, Newcastle have three players nominated, uh, Bruno, uh, Miguel Maron and Karen Trippier, which, you know, rare you do see a defender nominated for, uh, for, for, for player of the month, but yes, uh, it's, I don't know if it's really going to be splitting the vote because everyone, uh, uh, who is supporting Newcastle, um, seems to be on the same page and wanting to give it to Miguel Amron. Bruno actually tweeted out, um, I should just pull up Bruno's tweet because it's right here. Uh, he said, I'm very proud to be running for best of the month again, but I wanted to ask you all to vote for Miggy, even if me and Trippier are doing well. Miggy is living his dreams, and he put two hearts. So I think everyone's aligned on on the Newcastle train is is voting for Miguel Maron. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, just you know, I, it's I, I know funny. that's a boring question to ask, but I no, am curious about your thoughts. <laughs> there's a, there's a there's a constant and current refrain. There's a thread of thought that is that runs through the Guardian that runs through. Uh, Talksport that runs through um, what else do I listen to occasionally? Um, football Ramble, um, BBC, you know, football, you know, weekly or nightly or whatever. Like all of these, regardless of their partisan opinions, regardless of their background in football, whether they were players or coaches or just pundits, the why I'm regularly hearing everyone say, I never thought much of Miggy. Yeah. And, and like me, me either. I'm not, you've heard me say it. Like, I think yeah. the guy was, I thought he was all running and no gunning. Like, I just, like, I didn't even think he was one of the best players in MLS when he was doing well in MLS. I just figured it, it was, it was, um, uh, Martinez and, and, and Nagby making him look good. Um, and I never, I never thought much of Miggy and I actually was pretty upset that, you know, he made the move to Newcastle. I just thought it was Newcastle being cheap. Um, I don't know if I'm wrong. Right. I don't know if I'm wrong, but he looks like a man changed. He looks like he looks like a man transformed. He knows where he's going. He knows like he runs with clarity off the ball. He knows where he needs to be. He has an idea of what he wants to do on the ball. He he makes um, clairvoyant passes and and like slam dunk volleys. And I don't yeah. know who I don't know who this Miguel Amaron is. Um, he may be the guy that all of you Atlanta fans saw before and we just never saw it but this is not this is not who i thought he was and i'm happy to be so wrong about miguel almiron i'll say this i think his time in atlanta and it does go back to what you said previously is it it is all about the confidence in the manager i mean tata martino like recruited miguel almiron i mean it was a guy who i mean you know we just as Atlanta united fans were like okay cool whatever that was the marquee signing uh, ironically, the marquee signing for Atlanta United, I mean, early on that people were most excited about uh, their designated player that they wanted and so excited about was Brad Razan, which is funny in retrospect when you think about the first the first three designated players that Atlanta United had were Joseph Martinez, Miguel Amaron, and Brad Razan. So 
Guzan's probably the least exciting out of the, that three, <laughs> but um, especially bringing in a 35 or 34 year old at the time who was sitting on the bench of, of Aston Villa. Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, it was a different type of confidence. I think in MLS, Tata gave him the confidence to be like, hey, like everything runs through you. The offense runs through Mickey. It was different. It was more of how we treat ASM. It was like, get Mickey the ball in the space and just see what happens. And you saw a lot of him doing a lot of the playmaking and things like that. And a little bit of similar stuff happened when he first came in under Rafa. And, and I kind of really do hope that I, I'm wondering what would have been different if, if he had, you know, a full season with Rafa, et cetera, et cetera. But that's neither here nor there. So right. honestly, this is not what I think any Atlanta United fan expected because Mickey didn't really score goals at Atlanta United either. I mean, you look at his goal output it was not that impressive. And, uh, you know, he's had one career hat trick ever in his, in his, uh, career. Uh, and it's, it was at Atlanta United. And the only reason it happened was Joseph Martinez decided not to take a meaningless penalty and gave it to Miguel Amaron to get his hat trick. So I think that's the, 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 the new thing that if you're an Atlanta United fan, who's watching Newcastle now, you're like, when, when did Miggy start scoring goals like this? Like mm-hmm. he was never a guy who was, you know, really scoring these crazy bangers from outside the box or hitting things. It was, you know, he was scoring goals and it was once every so often, but he was way more looking to set up guys and really run on the break and, and create two V one opportunities with a, uh, with a keeper or defender. So yeah, it, it, he's playing unconsciously right now. And um, I don't know if you said this or if this was something that I took from like TIFO, but I just remember them talking about how, like, what while Alan St. Maxman thrives in this role of you're a maverick, do whatever you want, it seems as Miguel Amaron thrives in the exact opposite, where mm. everywhere he's been, where you give him specific instructions on what to do and where to be so he doesn't have to think about it, that's when he's been the best. And when you give him no instruction and say, figure things out, that's where you get the running around like a headless chicken version of Miguel Amaron. So I think that's something that's also important, I think. If managers pick up on that, I don't see why Migamro can't be a you know a competent player at and playing high level football until he chooses to retire. I mean, I could see him doing this if he's not at Newcastle in three years. He could be the same sort of player at a mid table side in La Liga or mid table side. Yeah, in Germany yeah. Or like, that I, was it, where I see like, him next. I do. I see him. Yeah. I see him at a. Um, you know, I see him at a Valencia, or I see him at a you know. A, um, you know the a Villa, a Villa Real, you know, yeah. just kind of, kind of being in that that top, uh, you know, that ten that ten to five spot team and and really making an impact. I mean, he's a good player. We're lucky to have him now, and I think we're getting the best out of him that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this by far could be the best season of his career, um, and I'm completely happy that I'm along for the ride. Okay, and then one final thing to no one's surprise, uh, Newcastle's uh, player of the month is Miguel Amaron. Uh, so he collected that award officially. By the time this next pod, the next podcast comes out, we'll actually have uh, the results of all of these, and hopefully, I'll just read the same thing over and over and be like, Eddie Howe won, Miggy won, and Miggy won. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and hop into uh, this match, uh, Newcastle. With the win, Josh, initial thoughts on the win? Um, it happened the way I thought it would happen. Yeah. I think barring barring a barring a goal from um, Villa, which I I thought there there might be one, and I thought Leon Bailey might 
be the one that makes something happen. And I think early on there was a threat from Leon Bailey, I think along mm-hmm. the left side of the box and he sort of charged in. If you know, he lost his balance and then he came in and, and slid one, you know, past the face of the goal. And I thought that could have been it. I mean, whether he scored or he assisted, I thought Leon Bailey was going to be the difference maker. Um, that would have given me what, like five weeks in a row of picking the right guy. <laughs> you like, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't want them to score goals, but like you can watch, you can watch what the teams are doing a few weeks before they get in there and, and you know, see what's going to happen. So yeah, anyway, my, my, you know, like once, once that part of my prediction didn't happen, the rest of it did. And yeah. I just, I, you know, I just felt like, um, Villa, Villa puts on a tough facade. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of that perception is coming from their supporters. You could yeah, read some of the say, tweets. It's, like, it's it's the supporters. It's yeah, the, they're like, oh, we we're good on paper. We've got them. We could win this. We're we're gonna ta- we're gonna win them. And and then you know like, not only do they not, but it's just like, it was demoralizing. Let's yeah, be real. Was, I mean, it absolutely. was complete domination. Uh, especially like, I mean, the second half uh, as well. Just complete and utter domination. Uh, real quick, let's get a few three words out of the way. Um, mm. just a few today. Uh, Eric from NUFC Indiana says, "Good evening, indeed," which is pretty good. Uh, Cam Avery says, hey, Callum Wilson, which is good. Um, Turkey Enthusiast says, the champ loons, which I, I don't understand that one. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't get it. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, maybe this is a Minnesota United fan, maybe. Nope, ex-Timbers Army. Okay, which we don't need to talk about the Portland Timbers, but I can oh. understand why you use ex-Timbers Army. <laughs> For sure. Uh, me that, too, buddy. Me that, too. That's a different podcast altogether. Um, and then I also said Maggie R. King in the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's what people were thinking. Uh, I would have to echo Josh. I think uh, Bailey was the most dangerous player for, for Villa this entire, like through the entire match. I mean, even though I'd say he was dangerous for the first 25 or 30 minutes, I felt like nobody else could really get anything going for them. Um, and I mean, fair play to this back line. It's just every, it feels like, Threats are just constantly being neutralized. Um, so real quick, let's go through the lineup. So for Newcastle, interesting little lineup. Uh, back back five is essential, or I guess back four plus Nick Pope. Very run of the mill. Uh, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Cher, Sun Botman, Dan Berg. Oh, excuse me, nothing crazy. Uh, midfield of Sean Longstaff, Bruno, and Joe Willick, uh, and then the front three of Almiron Wilson and another game of Joel Linton at wide and. Another game in which Jolinton looked pretty solid out wide. Um, so I think, I don't know how you feel, Josh, but I think it's kind of fair to say maybe Jolinton is just good. Like Eddie's just figured it out. Cause I mean, I, you know, I think very quick, we're very quick to be like, ah, oh, yes. I mean, moving him to the midfield, turn him into a different player, but he's also looked good out wide. So I don't know. That's just something to, something to think about. And then for Villa. Yeah. Uh, they went with, you know, essentially players that we all predicted they would go with. Uh, Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, Buendia, uh, Ollie Watkins out wide. Um, and then Douglas Louise, Dindonker, I can't ever say his name. Uh, Ashley Young at left back, which was a choice. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mings at center back, which, again, is a choice. Uh, and uh, Ezri Kanza, uh, Matty Cash, and... Uh, the, of course, long-standing uh, figure in goal, Emiliano Martinez, who mm. that's a that's a weird situation. Real quick, Josh, do you want to just quickly talk about that concussion situation that happened with Martinez? I know we 
it's a bit unorganized, but I do feel like that's something to to discuss because um, for those who aren't aware, didn't watch the match, there was a collision. Martinez is on the ground for, it had to have been like six or seven minutes and they're yeah. doing a full-blown concussion check. And I think anyone with a brain, it's very similar to what, if you're an NFL fan, uh, we saw with Tua a, a, a few weeks ago. Anyone with a brain is like, all right, this guy's concussed. Like, he's it's taken him so long to do the concussion check, and you're seeing him like he's still not all the way there. And then literally four minutes later, he has another collision. And yeah, I think this one, he just kind of hits – he just falls down and hits his head on the ground, and then he immediately has to be subbed off for a concussion, no concussion yeah. or anything. Josh, I just want your overall thoughts as someone who's played the game. You're, I mean, you're still very much around the game. I know that you're like, what, what would you do in that situation? If you're the manager or you're, you're kind of involved in, in some decision-making. Well, look, I mean, safety is paramount to me, like above, above results, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, player safety is the most important thing to me. I mean, I think in particular, I deal with amateur, amateur collegiate players and mm-hmm. so they're they're volunteering to wear my shirt and go out there and play for my team. So mm-hmm. I'm going to look out for every player that plays, you know, um, on my team. Um, but in regards to professional football, I don't see how it's much different. And so when Martinez first takes that, and I, I, and I do believe it was Tyrone Mings, who, yeah. I mean, the guy was just a knucklehead. He was out of control. He's pushing players <laughs> over. He's kneeing his, he's kneeing his own players in the head. And he's mean mugging everybody. Like, it, you know, like... I feel like, and people are wondering why, like Americans feel somewhat confident about beating England, where it's like you look at the defenders that they're throwing out there, and it's like there's just been some embarrassing moments <laughs> yeah. for for a lot of the England defenders who were like your first choice guys. I mean, it's it, yeah, like Mings and Maguire were 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 like you know starting together at one point for the national. Team. It's just it's it's a mess. All right, anyway, go ahead. I, I, but I think the thing with the thing with Tyrone Mings that gets me is I think he's an incredibly talented footballer. Like, mm-hmm. I know someone's going to not agree with me, but if you if you kind of pull back the curtain and look at everything that's wrong with him, it's all behavioral. It's not it's not performance based. And I think losing his losing his manager a couple of weeks ago, um, the you know the ship is rudderless. They, I mean, they're they're set to have their 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 boss here. I think next week or the week after, right? But yeah, he he just came in uh, November first. Uh, yeah, just so stuff. So. You know, you know, hopefully, should, should Uzai, I mean, I, I guess I say hopefully, I mean, maybe because I don't like to see teams suffer. If this if there was one that I think maybe this in Everton, I wouldn't mind seeing them suffer a little bit. But also look at Tyrone Mings. And I think I bet Eddie Howe could get a lot out of that guy. Like I bet yeah. Mings can come into a Newcastle side and be imperious. I mean, he's got yeah. he's he's got all the skills that he needs to have. He just has a really bad attitude. So anyway, he's flying around, right? And he knees his own keeper in the head. No, I mean that could have been incidental. Obviously, he's not going to go kneeing his own player in the head on purpose. But like, of course, yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Martinez gets up, and I mean, I could tell. You know, you could tell. Yeah, no, about- it- it, it he should have so been pulled off. He should have been pulled off. And yeah. then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But uh, I mean, on the other hand, listen, things happen the way they do for a reason. It unfolded the way it did for a reason. And the length of time that it took to determine his <laughs> his status, right? What yeah. did we get? We got an extra nine, 10 minutes, yeah. right? And so when we went into extra time in the first half, that's what breaks them. The, ultimately, it was it was that extra time that we added on where we ended up getting that peno. 
Yeah, it, it's very, I mean, it's just a weird first half. And there's a reason why in the build up to this, I was talking, not the build up to the match, but the build up to this segment, I was talking about how like it was a very dominant second half because the first half was, I mean, Newcastle looked good for sure, but it was just so disjointed with multiple stoppages that, you know, that were fairly lengthy. I mean, it, like it was, it, it was just so many, so many uh, stoppages that again led to this extra time. And um, of course uh, it's Callum Wilson from the spot. Ashley Young tries to block um, Almiron's ball in uh, and he does the classic fullback sliding down, but arm is up the same thing that Dan Byrne did a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a nailed on pen at this point. Ashley Young can protest all he wants, but that's been called a pen for at least the last four or five years. Like ever since they rewrote the handball rule or, I mean, it's just been called a pen for a while. I don't, I don't, it's, it's very obvious. Um, and of course, Cal Molson steps up and uh, he goes straight down the middle, which is an interesting one. And he's going up against a backup keeper, which is an interesting one as well. I don't even, Olsen had made one save beforehand. So it wasn't like this was the first bit of action he was seeing, but you know, it's again, a, awkward i wouldn't say awkward but it's a it's a it's a tough situation you put into uh you're just subbed on as a keeper you're not really playing often and then you know your first really big moment of the match is you know right before halftime you know we're talking the 40 the, the six minutes in the additional time and you've got to stop a a penalty from a guy who has not missed a penalty at newcastle so <laughs> right uh, josh any uh, any thoughts there um, oh, it was nailed on, man, like that. But yeah. I think that, like we had spoken about, there were, there were disruptions in the game. The first half was a bit of, it was cagey. It had it had its moments yeah. of being, it had its moments of being cagey, but also, you know, there were counterattacks and there were some, there were some efforts and good defenses. Um, but I think that moment changed everything, right? Yeah. And so they go, they go into the break, Newcastle up a goal. Um, and I do want to backtrack to something that I think this is a minor blip on the radar, but I think it comes yeah. back to be essential. And I think it's Buendia. I think he's, I think he's actually injured, but plays through. I think he gets yeah. injured. Um, I think he gets injured before Martinez is actually subbed out. And mm-hmm. I think he walks to the sideline and comes back into play, but I think he plays the next 20 minutes. Um, yeah, that was the, another bit of the stoppage as well. Where right, uh, yeah, where and he, I think he went down and got treatment, and that took about five minutes as well. Yeah, and I think he was genuinely hurt. Yeah, um, you know, and sometimes again with Martinez, I think he could have said, "Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm crocked here. I got, you know, I got dinged in the head, and I can't see out of my left eye, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be." Sometimes you're actually doing your team a disservice by trying to be tough and stay in. And some, you know, like yeah. if, if you can't be a hundred percent, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be those moments of weakness where Newcastle or whoever else they play at some point is going to, is going to, is going to uh, reap the re- rewards of, of their, uh, their weakness. Case in point, Jamal sells, I think two seasons ago where it was a cup match and he was injured and literally Steve Bruce was trying to sub him off. Jamal sells refused to get subbed off. And of course, reaggravated injury later mm-hmm. on in the second half, and then missed like weeks. And it's like, dude, like get off the pitch. Like he's like, hot. and that one was bizarre because Wendia was like still. I think with Wendia, I think it felt it probably was one of those where they put the magic spray on and it kind of wasn't bothering him. And then once yeah. he slowed down after running on it for twenty minutes, he's like, ah, 
this actually does hurt. But and, Jamal and you have that, was hobbling when he did yeah. that. <laughs> I would say also after you get that halftime break and you get that lactic acid sets in, you know, oh, your yeah. muscles start to get, start to seize up a little bit and you can't run anymore. Yeah. So I, I think that's by the time we get to the 61st minute. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Wendy is out. But there's so many, yeah. there's so many other reasons for him to leave at that point, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the game's gone at that point. Uh, so, yeah, like Josh said, that, that goal really did change momentum. And it literally, like, two minutes later, Newcastle actually um, scored again. Uh, Wilson uh, with what what would have been a nice first half brace, but he was offside. But that kind of gives you the vibe of, I mean, this is two minutes after the penalty, and it's a, it's a, it's almost immediately Newcastle pressing and winning the ball back after kickoff and uh, playing a ball over the top to Colin Wilson and drowning the key. I mean, it's just, it's just at that point you kind of felt, all right, it's not, it doesn't, it didn't look like Aston Villa were going to really be able to respond. And I mean, and this is something that like we talked about in the preview, but you know, you have the interim manager and interim managers are good, but they're interim for a reason. They're not going to be able to make the adjustments and things like that, that, you know, Eddie Howwood or whatever. And it's, Hmm. it's just the, that's the reality of interim managers. You know, they have their matches where they can motivate guys and people will show out. And that's what happened with Villa in the match before, but it just felt like they had no answer to anything. Newcastle was saying anything at all, you know? And and, yeah. And you can't fault the the interim guy. That's not, you know, no, you know, it's not, it's not his role. He'll be fine. And he'll end up, he'll end up getting a job doing something somewhere. If he doesn't stay there, I, I imagine he'll be replaced eventually in his role. And, and find a job in the championship somewhere doing something good. Um, yeah. You or know, just join the, another Premier League staff. I mean, it, yeah. it's solid guy on the staff to have. I mean, and the players seem to really like him based on the, the comments from the uh, from the, the previous match. They all were excited to be playing for him. And again, yeah, maybe he stays on, on staff as well. But yeah, as you were saying, it's just nothing they can really do. <laughs> No, nah, there's nothing they could do. And I'd say by the, yeah, I was going to say by the time when Dia did come on, um, it was already too late. Like you had discussed, there's a goal in the 56. So Wilson, as you said, get his, gets his brace. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Ellington gets kind of a ding dong, you know, ding dong of a goal there. Yeah. There's really no other words, no other word yeah. to describe what was going on in the box. Right. So, uh, you know, you know, off of an Almiron shot, which is, yeah. It's. I'm not going to say that's foreshadowing, but it literally was foreshadowing. Yeah, yes, it was. He was. He was. He, he was. Um. He was letting us know what he was. He was. What does they call that? Telegraphing. He was telegraphing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But what I found interesting, I kind of just vindictive about this, is Coutinho, who it was. I mean, we were dragged last year for quote unquote missing out on him. Right. He chose a bigger club. You know. Um. I. I, I was under the impression we were in for him. Um, and then, you know, they, he got loaned to Villa and then they signed him permanently. Right. So, yeah. And I and, think and without saying great at Villa, I mean, good second half of the season. Yeah. So I think that's worth saying. So that's probably why people are saying we got, we, we missed out because he, he did look solid for them uh, last season. So, but he looked just, anonymous for them. This, this match, like once they were down three nil, I, I felt like, yeah. What'd you do? They're coming for you, buddy. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the bent, that's the the downside of living in a thriving me- metropolis like uh like uh, Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> the tumbleweed blowing by the front door. Yeah, and so are the cops. Uh- yeah. But yeah, but like you said, Coutinho five goals last season, so solid output, you know, for January signing. 
but this season has been anonymous. I mean, he's coming off the bench for for them, and it's almost like like you you feel as if Villa is the team that got robbed <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> uh, it felt like when uh, Newcastle signed Kennedy permanently, and it was like, a, oh wait, the, why aren't you doing the same thing you were just doing literally two months ago? Like what what happened? <laughs> that was oh. wild. That was wild. Maybe someday we'll talk about that one too. But yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He's still kicking it about in La Liga. Uh, it's just one of those you randomly, I think it, he might be on Sociedad. I think he might be on Sociedad. Is that but it's just one been? of those. It's one of those you randomly just, you're seeing La Liga and you're like, oh, Kennedy, I forgot. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, oh, good for him. He's still around. Good for him. Oh, he's getting a paycheck. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. Yeah. Again. So Almiron obviously gets the fourth. It's, it's just another, like, it's just, it's a strike from someone who is just absolutely confident. Yeah, sure. I'm going to just, I'm just going to cut off, uh, off the right wing and, oh, there's space. Why not? Why not just curl it, curl something in? I love this goal. I love this goal so much. (laughs) I mean, look, a couple of weeks ago, he got absolute plaudits for like that impossible volley, you know, which that's awesome. But like this is this is done with so much intent. This is he that that volley was was with hope. Mm-hmm. this curler was intent. Like this yeah. was, this was venomous. This was like, he's a sniper and he knew he was going to kill it. Um, it. It feels like when you see, I mean, I don't want to like overstep, but it does feel like when you see like a KDB shoot or um, geez, who's the guy from, from or Ruben Neves is another one where they're having a pop from distance. And it's like, they're taking this shot because they are fully confident that the ball is ripping through the back of the net and it's going to be top in. It's like, that's the reason they're taking the shot. And if you save it or if they miss slightly, like fair play to you, but like seven times out of the 10, if they're taking that shot, it's going in. And that's how it's felt for Miggy when he's taking these pops from distance. Like the Everton goal, it's another one where it's just like, he, he's just standing there and he just decides, ah, uh, yeah, sure. I'll go one two with Bruno. Yeah, boom, shot goal. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm so happy for him. Like I said, I'm I'm happy to have been wrong, and long may his good form last. Yeah, yeah. I I really do hope that it at least lasts up until the World Cup, and and hopefully you know beyond the World Cup, and he comes back and he's firing on all cylinders again uh, in in January and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, uh, that that's pretty much the match. I mean. Some other notes that are that are a little bit noteworthy. Um, uh, John Joe Shelby had an appearance. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob Murphy actually played some solid minutes. Uh, he was very yeah, liable. I did. I it wanted did to give like he could have scored some goals. He was. Yeah, I wanted to give him a shout out. I didn't know if you were going to go there, and I'm glad that you yeah. did. He came in and he looked like he had been playing for 70 minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a good way. I, I mean, like, no, yeah, no, like he he's literally he, slides. In and you wouldn't even yeah, know it. Yeah, it, he didn't it look felt, like he was. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. You know what I mean. He came yeah. right in and just like it was just an invigoration of the exact same form that was already there. I think he replaced Willick, but mm-hmm. I think he was and doing his own ditch. thing too. Yeah. You know, like it was different, yeah. um, and yeah. I loved it. So, and you know, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna go back to this because it was just something that was said weeks ago, and we mentioned it, but it's just like so much more obvious now. When the question of like, well, what is Newcastle going to do for depth? And the answer was, well, they brought in these high quality starters. So now the people that were starters are the depth. They have depth. 
And like, what are they going to do when ESAC comes back? Or what are they going to do when ASM comes back? They're going to have a great team because these guys like Jacob Murphy and, and Joe Willick, um, you know, they, they've been in um, all of these matches all year long. I think, I think there's like four players. I can't, I can't remember who it was. I didn't write it down, but like there have been four players who have made an appearance, at least an appearance in every single match this season. And that is, I I bet I could guess the four. That is so, that is so useful, right? That is just, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I could guess the four. Um, It's Sean Longstaff for one. That's actually the obvious one. uh, Because he started, he's actually played in every single match. Like, and he started almost, he started like over, over half of them, I think. I think he's only not started two or three matches. That was the first one that I knew. And I think I mentioned on the pod last week, I, Almiron, I cannot remember if Almiron played in the cup match, but that would have been one of my guesses be, just because he's been of the attackers. He's the He's been the only one that hasn't been injured. Um, hmm. Easy peasy, Nick Pope. Yeah, well, Nick Pope for sure. And I think there, I, I, I think, oh, uh, was Trippier injured this season? I think he might have missed one. I think Jacob I Murphy that, has made an appearance in at least every match this year. I, I believe you. I think Jacob Murphy for sure. I, I think Trippier, the, he didn't start the cup match, but then he came on for Emil Kraft. And I honestly think he has played every single other match because we would have seen Javi Mankia at some point. Or actually, you know, there might have been one match where we played Matt Target at right back. I don't know. But that's something that we'll look into for, for next season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, some other notes. Uh, Matt Target did come on as well. Also, I wouldn't say it's just kind of funny to me that you know, again, ever uh, not uh, Villa people were making a big deal about how they got Luca Dean or Luca Dean. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name still, and I'm never going to learn. But he's another one who surprisingly has found himself coming off the bench um, as well. So he came off the bench for Villa as well. Um, Chris Wood, of course, made an appearance. Alan Maxman was was lively and played a few minutes, and John Joe Shelby as well. Uh, there's a very high chance I think we see um, one or the two or both uh, start this upcoming uh, weekend, uh, given uh, some of the, the situations at Newcastle. Uh, so any uh, any sort of final thoughts? I think we kind of hit the nail on the head here with just complete domination from Newcastle. I think it's more of the same. They were winning the ball back in good areas. I don't know how much more we can talk about the press. I don't know how much more we can talk about Miguel Amaron. Um, I don't know how much more we can talk about Callum Wilson, who has just been very good since he's come back into the side. So, I don't know. You got anything else before we move into kind of, you know, players of the match? Um, No, uh, I I don't think I have anything else to add other than we're we're break. We're breaking spirits and um, we're getting points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there really is a particular player of the match. If you want to go someone, maybe say Wilson, uh, you uh, I don't know the whole front. The front three was was really good. Karen Tripper had a good game as well. I think you can give, I don't know. I feel like we shout out the same players every week at this point. It's hard so, not to though, because they're yeah, all performing. They're all, they're yeah, all, they're, they're all like, they're, you know, they're all pistons that are sort of like pumping at the same time. Like this engine is roaring right now and everybody's giving it their all. So it's really, it's uh, even, even, you know, the people that are the traditional straw men or, or the, you know, the people who we would regularly slate by we, I mean, and you know, of, you know, Newcastle fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
even Longstaff is just, he's great. Like, I, I think after you made mention of that last week, I was like, I'm going to watch this guy. Like, just to watch, just watch just him. Like, watch a match and just watch he, one player for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's everywhere. Dude is He does all so of the little involved. things so well because, like, Joe Willick, for, for you know, he's going to get forward. And, you know, maybe you'll notice a little bit of defensive work. But, like, John is so good at, like, knowing that if Bruno's coming – if Bruno's going to join the attack, he's so quick to drop back and help protect the back line. And he's completely fine not being involved in the attack. And then otherwise, I mean, if Bruno's sitting a little deeper and spraying balls all over the place, he's right up there with McGamro and trying to play one twos with him and do some of the same movements that Bruno would have done in that position. And he's, he's not doing anything that's outside of his game. He's not trying things that are not in his locker. I think the Sean Longstaffs of the uh, of in, in the past, we saw him trying to play these balls that John Joe Shelby uh, played, or you know, take these these shots from from outside the box where you know that's he's he's hit them, he scored those, but I don't know if that's his game per se. Uh, so I, it's good to see another player who, again, clear instructions has benefited from that. His understanding of what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be, and how he contribute uh, to the team and. He's, you know, another guy that played the full 90. So just shout out to him. I mean, he's been great. Um, cool. So, uh, again, utter dominance. Shout out to the back line. Uh, let's take a quick uh, commercial break um, just to get – get uh, to, so, wow, can't even speak. Just so Vox can uh, pay the bill. So we'll do that right about now. Okay. Uh, we're back. Back and rolling. Can the run continue against Southampton? Uh, Newcastle play Southampton this Sunday. Uh, if you're in America, the, the clocks will change for most of you. Uh, so be cognizant of that. And it will change actually Saturday night. So I have no idea how that affects the actual start time of this match. So yeah. I'm just going to wake up early. That's what I do. Just, yeah. Just, and so I'm just going to have my bases covered regardless. There's, but yeah. there's, there's two ways to go about it. If you're in America, um, you could stay up until after one in the morning and, yeah. and then, and then double check and see what, what time it is. And then what time the match starts in four hours, or, <laughs> or you can just go to bed when you go to bed and set your clock for, if you, if it says six, I believe it's Sunday at six. See, so, see yeah. So, yeah. And then I think, I think for me, it's actually showing, up as Sunday at seven now because I'm in Arizona. So I think by then I'll be back on the mountain time with everyone else. So I don't know. I just, it's all, uh, it's all mess. so we won't be, we won't be in the same time zone anymore. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, it's, that's uh, wild. It's, I it's, think it's this sad, is, uh, but it, I'll I think, see you in the same time zone again in like six months. Well, so. I'm not sure. I believe we voted last year that this might be our last fallback. Oh yeah. It is. It is our last. Oh year. Yeah. It is our last fallback. Probably. Sure. So I don't know this. Well, yeah, of all the people who are UK listeners who are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? We have four, for our UK listeners, we have four time zones and they're not evenly distributed. Like the lines are not straight up and down. Like they, they go around with the borders. Like it's, it's not, it's not geographically, it's not entirely geographically based. Some is a little politically based as well. So, and then some states have it, some states don't, some states voted to get rid of it. You know, so yeah, welcome, so, welcome yeah, to our like, world of confusion. Yeah, like Arizona has not done daylight savings for decades yeah, at this ever? point. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, probably ever. And 
that for a variety of reasons, but also within Arizona, the Native American population, certain tribes do daylight savings. So again, try to figure that one out. Rest of the world. Uh, so so there's that. All right. Um, so let's get into this. I think the news heading into the match for this is uh, Southampton do not look good. Um, I mean, and I'll say this, uh, Southampton have been on the, the fritz the last couple of, of seasons. Not all is 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 super well um uh and for ralph hasenhutels hasen you had it you hit it you hit it yeah hasenhutels i mean i spoke german i should know like this guy's name in his for his squad uh, i think there was there was some i'll say this the the way that southampton finished last season i think that there was a little bit of a surprise that they went into this season with hasenhutels still in, in charge it felt like he had lost the locker room a little bit as an American yeah. term, but uh, they're still sticking with them. And to, to his credit, season started out okay for them, you know, lost to Manchester United, not crazy, not unrealistic, but you know, they, they beat Chelsea uh, early on in the season. They had a, a draw with Leeds. They lost to Tottenham early on. You know, so it was, you know, they were, they were in matches. They were, they, they were, they were looking decent. They beat Leicester. I mean, it was okay. But since then it's just been meh them um they I lost the villa yeah i think they're in they're right above the relegation zone they're in 17th right now uh, yeah. they've beaten they, they lost the villa lost to everton lost to man city drew with west ham they beat bournemouth uh and they drew to south they drew to i said they drew to southampton they drew to arsenal which is you know okay that's an encouraging result top of the table team and then they've recently lost to crystal palace one nil so not a team that is looking good per se uh in no. If you if we want to go back to just oh I guess you want to you want to talk about historic results I mean I was gonna I was I was about to give the recent results but I forgot oh I've got no, that's all right I've got a little um we could we could flip flop that I actually okay. have a little twist to this that didn't I didn't add on the running order um mm-hmm. but don't worry I think it I think okay. it adds to the conversation um and this is something that I think probably flew under the radar and here is why Ralph is on the hot seat. Not only have the results been poor, and not only are they one point above the drop, um, and should they lose, and which, look, we'll get to predictions later, but let's be honest, there's a really good chance that they do. Um, it's not, it's not they're, great. They're in, they're in deep, deep, and I don't think he... I think he gets through the next two. I think they have a cup match next, and then they have one more match. I think they have Liverpool before they go into the World Cup break. I don't see the, him winning the match. And I just don't think after the Liverpool, I think they'll wait till the Liverpool match to drop them. And here's who they are. And here's what flew under the radar. Um, last year, Southampton underwent a takeover in January, 2022. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So Serbian billionaire, uh, Dragon Solak through his investment firm, Sport Republic bought an 80% stake. He actually bought the exact 80% stake that was, uh, owned by former chairman Zhao Jisheng. So mm-hmm. he bought that in, I think, and then Zhao bought that in, in August 2017. So he looked like, it looks like these investors, these foreign investors are trying to turn a profit by buying into a, you know, any any Premier League team. Oh, that's a Premier League team. Let me buy that. Um, but he may look at this, you know, a, you know, a billionaire doesn't buy things just to see it fail. And a billionaire doesn't buy something off another billionaire, you know, um, just to do worse. I don't foresee Ralph 
um, Hasenhutl lasting past the next two matches. Um, I mean, it was a hundred million dollar. It was a hundred million pound, I think, takeover. And they brought in 10 new players over the summer, like all this stuff as an, as a Newcastle supporter or like, you know, or watching what was going on at forest with all the new players they brought in there. We didn't see this, or maybe some people didn't, I didn't, but they brought in two new players over the summer, spent 60 million pounds, released 17 other players, either through, uh, either letting them go on a free or off on loan. Right. So the, their gross spend. Yeah, their gross spend for the last five years has been 240.4 million pounds. They've sold 243.2 million. So they've actually made money by selling their players. So we, so like we, so over the last five years, Newcastle has had a gross spend of 273. So only like 33 million more, Mm -hmm. but their sell has been 166. So it's like a hundred million less that they make through sales. So if we want to talk about the dire straits that Newcastle has been in for the last few years and how frustrated our supporters were with what was going on, I mean, I couldn't imagine um, how upset Southampton supporters are with their scenario constantly. I think it's I think the difference, though, is that up until maybe this season and last last uh, the, the end of last season, Southampton were really never a threat to go down. I think the most frustrating thing for them was that they'd have really promising players either through their academy or gyms that they'd find that just, like you said, I mean, there's a reason why they, their profits are so high. They, they fought, they buy low and sell high. And, and that's very frustrating when you see players that you sold are going on to do and play for some of the best teams in the world. And it's like, if we had only kept those players Maybe we would be in a higher position than yeah. constantly, you know, fighting for 14th through 16 instead of, you know, potentially being in a top 10 or being in, you know, or in that top eight if you had maybe held on to some other players. And House Noodle's been good pretty much up until, you know, last season. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that they've been. I think they've been on a slow boil for a few years. And I think we just haven't seen it because we've been so worried about our own situation up in the Northeast mm-hmm. that we haven't really read the tea leaves about what's going on down there. I was yeah. listening to their uh, a podcast they have. Um, I don't remember the name of it was. Um, anyway, if you remember what we sounded like two years ago, yeah. right? And it was this acceptance of mediocrity. This like, well... Let's take a look at the, you know, the Lester. Lester's doing poor. So we've got to beat Lester and then they, we've got to hope that they lose to the next two. So that way, you know, blah, 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 points go this way. They're looking at all of the teams around them at the bottom and they're worried yeah. about the bottom four or five, right? Yeah. We're not, we're not looking at the teams around us anymore. Yeah. I know a lot of that has to do with this massive amount <clears throat> of money, sure. Mm-hmm. But again, we we can we can go and we can look at like six or seven of the players that were that started for us against Villa were already in the side. They're not a product yeah. of of the buy. They're a product of a good manager and and I think good ownership that says, okay, well we've got these guys. Let's sell what we need to and buy, you know, a, a, to 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 improve. Um, and we're only a year into this. You know, we're only a year into this process. So I mean, it's easy for me to look at it and say, yeah, they pumped in 
tons of money, but it's all like, it's all relative. So anyway, just sort of listening to the attitudes of the Southampton supporters and the podcast. And it's sort of like this, this hand wringing about a point here and a point there. And, you know, when we get, when we get relegated and as we, we, we get relegated by one point, we're going to look back at this palace match and we're going to think that's the one that we should have done more, you know, and that's almost, that's almost verbatim. And um, and they did. They they got caught out by Palace, and they did not look very good playing against Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, I just I felt like they just couldn't get out of their own. They couldn't get out of their own way. Yeah, that's fair. And it's another team that on paper looks like they should be better than than seventeenth. They've got some solid players in the squad, and yes, there's been some injuries. But again, it's it's a team that you know. We, I, I mean, I guess maybe that is that's a good point. Where Southampton always felt like a winnable or a match we could get some points from, uh, despite Newcastle uh, not being, uh, you know, in the best state the last couple of seasons. And I mean, I, I yeah, that's a good that's a good point. So, um, do you want to let's let's hit the history real quick um, and just just talk about New because uh, it's a not sorry not Newcastle but this is another team uh, Southampton that's that's been a first a first division or top division in in England sort of mainstay uh if you look at like they've been one of the the longer standing teams in the prem uh and then even before then uh playing you know the highest level of football in England so Josh take it away yeah the first match that they ever played at least the one that I could find was a 1-0 win in the FA Cup back in 1898 uh that was a win for Southampton um and they I think it looked like they only met maybe six or seven times in between 1898 and 1934. Um, and they, they pretty much had our number. I think it was like all wins and draws for Southampton against Newcastle. And it was all cup matches. So that was something that I found really interesting. I mean, that's for a whole different pod. But if you haven't seen the English game uh, on Netflix, go hunt that down. Go watch that, um, especially for our American listeners. I think it'll give you a really good perspective on um, what organized football looked like in uh, the turn of the century, uh, Victorian era uh, football. I mean, these teams didn't have necessarily divisions and leagues to play in and, until, mm-hmm. you know, until uh, early in the in the 20th century. So here we get to 1934 and we get our first win in the old division two. It was a one nil win. Um, since then, we've drawn uh, 24. We've lost 38, but won 42. So, I mean, it's pretty that's pretty even Steven. I mean, we've got a slight advantage with uh, four more wins than, than them in, in this, but um, yeah. And our biggest win though, this one was fun was a five nil thrashing back on January 16th, 2000 um, with goals from big dunk in the third the, and the fourth minute. I mean, I'm going to go try to find this video now. I'm like, I got to watch this first. Like <laughs> the first 18 yeah. minutes of this are just insane. Like Nobby Solano in the 17th minute and then a pair of own goals in the 35th, uh, 31st and the 83rd and let me read you the starting lineup um for <laughs> newcastle united on uh january uh, january 16th uh 2000 uh stevie harper goalkeeper warren barton so many oh, of you yeah. are familiar with warren barton especially here in the states he's you know as a as a pundit but yeah once upon if a time you're a long time listener of this show here you're, you're uh, if you're a long long time listener warren was like Early we'll back. CHN Radio. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. We'll get him back. Um, yeah. and Nikos Dabizas, uh, defender. Marcelino, defender. Alessandro Pistone. But here's a Nabi Solano. Uh, Noberto, if you will. Um, a Peruvian, I believe. He's, uh, so, I mean, it sort of runs, you know, it runs in uh, runs in our, our blood to have some good um, 
South Americans. Um, well, not our blood. Well, uh, we're American, but yes, the, the, the Newcastle blood. Maybe. The Newcastle blood. It runs, yeah, it runs in the blood of the team to have a good South American uh, playmaker. Uh, Kieran Dyer um, was there. Gary Speed, um, Dunk, Big Dunk Ferguson, Duncan Ferguson, uh, Kevin Galker, and then uh, and Alan Shearer was uh, was uh, up top that day. So, um, what a you've got to go back and watch this and then just as as a note as a note and some of you may be super nerds like me um mark hughes was playing forward for southampton that day um if you're if you're curious and then uh and gary monk and um many people would be like who's gary monk <laughs> gary monk is just sort of a guy uh he's i think he was a central defender went on to play for birmingham and if you are a nerd like me and you nerd out on fifa you can make your own manager. Yeah. Sometimes I just make Gary Monk my manager, <laughs> and I start with yeah. like a, I start with like a League Two team and then and, and build up. So nerd out. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, recent results. Uh, it's been very interesting. It's been pretty. I mean, I guess you could say pretty dominant from a Newcastle perspective. If you want to go, let, let's say uh, since um, Newcastle been. I guess let, let's go like since like 2018 um, Southampton have only won once uh, and it's been a fair few draws, but a lot of Newcastle wins uh, as well. But overall, like the past, you know, few seasons, 18 matches total. It's been Southampton won six, Newcastle won seven, and it's been five draws. But if you're looking very recent, it's way more one-sided with Newcastle having the bulk of the results. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, fame, I think probably one of the more, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't know there's been some interesting uh, results of the last couple of seasons with there was the Newcastle were up for uh, up, up a man in the, in the match for like almost the entire match and managed to win one nothing, which is like the exact opposite of what happens these days when we're up a, up a man. Yeah. And there was a three, two thriller uh, last season. And uh, had a draw with them as well. Well, I, I think that's the three-two one was two seasons ago, technically. So yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting one where it's been a very, at many cases, at least a, a winnable or a match that Newcastle can certainly draw. Um, going into injuries, there's been a couple of interesting uh, injuries to to think about. One, um, this is an injury, but Jolinton did pick up a yellow late mm-hmm. on in the in that match, so he's going to be suspended. Uh, so just off the off the cuff, Josh, uh, how do you think Newcastle are going about going, going to go about replacing um, Joel Linton here? Is it going to be uh, kind of the same midfield three we saw before, where they stick with the long staff Bruno Willock midfield, and then uh, just slot ASM into the into the side, or do we see a shift in which like Eddie takes an opportunity to switch everything up, um, and potentially you know maybe uh, we see. Uh, John Joe Shelby returned to the fold and maybe he replaces uh, Sean Longstaff or Joe Willock. So I I don't know. Uh, What do you think? Actually, I think it would be really, um, if there was ever a time to switch it up, this would be a good one. Um, I think with Joe Linton out, and remember he didn't start at midfield. He started out wide. Yeah, he started out wide. I mean, it could be. On paper, it could be like for like, just throw ASM in, but. Exactly. It could be. It could be. But as you said, uh, I know that, we've praised how for, or at least noted that how likes to reward players for their form. Um, 
getting replaced after having a four nil thrashing of, of, of an opponent doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't really hold up when we're talking about in terms of what, oh, how, how things, but also we're going away to a team who's desperate to win and maybe looking at a few matches that Newcastle has played recently and trying to figure out what they could do. Why would you present them the exact same team so that they, you know, like screw, screw with their minds a little bit, change, you know, give them something they're not expecting. And even if that is uh change, you know, changing, changing to a back five and, 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 and going wide. Um, and, and I'll tell you why that might work too is, uh, you know, li- listening again to listen to that Southampton podcast. It was interesting that, that they really, um, they they were not aware that Jolington, first off, they were not aware that Jolington is suspended. Um, and so they were thinking that they wanted to press him because he's big. And they were thinking that maybe who was it that they were saying, uh, Diallo and maybe, maybe like Ward Prowse, if they could apply pressure in the midfield. So they, in their mind, think that Jolington's playing and he's a big body and he's playing in midfield and he's going to be easily pressed off the ball because that's, that's like, interesting, right? I mean- Right. And so I'm just going off of what other people. I mean, yeah, for a lot of reasons, that's interesting. I mean, I just, uh, yeah, sure. Jolinton this, this season has been, I, you know, maybe more careless than I'd like the ball, but, but, but like, still, I don't think he's like a weak link in the midfield to press. I mean, that's a very interesting, that's also grasping at at straws to an extent of like, like, I think, uh, it might have it might have been the 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 the, uh, the sky show, and uh, someone was mentioned. It was you know the whole question everyone's been asking this this past week. Oh, you know, are Newcastle gonna be contending for? Are they seriously a challenger for the top four? That question, and one of the pundits said, "Well, they're the only team where we haven't seen a weakness," and I disagree with that a little bit because I know Josh and I when we first started uh, potting, there were some weaknesses. Newcastle were. We're getting draws for a reason, but for the most part, like I can agree with that where it's like, I don't know if you were to try to break this Newcastle team down, it feels like a lot of the weaknesses that were there early on in the season, maybe not being able to play against teams that like to sit back, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of been ironed out. So I don't really know, like if I were an opposing fan, how I would say I, I want to attack, you know, Newcastle. I mean, it's kind of the same way I feel about how we would preview a Man City match. It's like, I mean, you can kind of hope, hope for the best, sit back, defend and, just kind of frustrate them and maybe you, you nick a goal or something out of it. So interesting that they went with that. I'd say I, w- I would like to see a little bit of rotation. I think it'll be necessary um, in general because there's a potential Fabian share is another one that could be out. Um, and then of course there's been a lot, there's a myriad of other injuries at the club, but the other two that are sort of top of mind is Isak is, is going to eventually return at some point. And Carl Darlow should be back after the break, which Okay, is cool. Um, but going into like actually what Newcastle could do from a, a lineup perspective, I could see John Joe Shelby just making his return back into the the fold. Not only to get something different, but if you look at like just getting him back ready, match fit, and getting action for an extended amount of time, you look at who like Newcastle have you know coming up, and it's like you got Chelsea as your next Premier League match, and yeah, we've got the cup match against Palace, but. You know, I don't know if you're really going to be experimenting with uh, John no. Joe Shelby. And, if it, there was it, ever a match there was, start John yeah. Joe. It's probably this one, just yeah. to get his legs back underneath him. I mean, he hasn't really played more than 10 or so minutes in, in the previous matches. So I, I could see an early sub 
uh, an earlier than usual sub for um, maybe like a Sean Longstaff uh, and push Bruno forward. Uh, I think that would probably make the most sense. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, I could see Matt Target back in the fold as well. I don't think Jamal Sells is going to be starting at at, uh, at center back. I think Eddie would they'll, much they'll rather... Tar- Dan burn in. Yeah, I think he'd much rather trust Finn Botman can play as a, a right... A left-footed right center back than Jamal Lascelles can because we've seen it already before. First and foremost, with uh, Botman and Byrne uh, alongside each other, um, and Matt Target could slot in as left back. Um, but yeah, I think ASM returning to the fold makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it just feels like this is a good match for all the guys who've been sitting out. Let's see how long you can actually last. Either you know we're gonna sub you on relatively early, or we're gonna you know, let you play a good 60 minute shift and just get your legs back underneath you. And hopefully uh, those guys score some goals. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's, let's hop into the other side of the thing uh, of the other side of the coin, I guess. Uh, let's talk about Southampton. Uh, what have you kind of noticed Josh about Southampton? Uh, we've got three notable players out. Valentino Livramento is out with a knee injury. Kyle Walker Peters is out with his thigh and, and Bella Kotchup is out with a shoulder. He's a, maybe he's a, I think he plays a central defender. I'm not a hundred percent sure. You could probably look it up. Um, but yeah. what Southampton players to watch out for? So I'll tell you what I saw in their last match against Palace. Um, they're susceptible to the high press. So Palace was pressing them way up in the attacking third, right? So in in what would be Palace's attacking third, um, and and um, Southampton were just I mean, they they got the ball nicked off them several times. And yeah. I mean, even a slight bit of pressure um, in their back third, it causes them to to, to wilt, and they just sort of melted away. Um, and, and Palace got these really, they got attacking opportunities, like you know, in the, in, in within the first you know thirty yards, you know, and it, it was just they didn't even have to they didn't have to counterattack. They didn't, you know, they, their press was so strong, they were just creating opportunities right there. I see that as being really falling into our um our in, into favor with what we do. Um, and yeah. part of the, and part of that, it, it could get ugly. It could get real ugly. And I think a part of what um, Hassan Noodle is trying to do maybe is to is to uh, bait the pressure because um, they seem to want to spring long passes uh, on on the on the width, right? So they trying to mm-hmm. bypass. It looked like they were trying to bypass the midfield and just go like play a little bit direct on the wing and then cut in. Um, and it, it, they made some successful connections doing that, especially on the left side. Um, I think it was uh, Parad. Um, or Peraud, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, um, but he seemed successful in sending long balls along uh, along the flank to Shea Adams. Um, so you know, but there were these opportunities that Shea got to score a goal. I mean, he cut in. He got one there. He cut in, dropped a defender. Was great. Hit a curler with his right foot, and he dinked it off the post. And I mean, that was his best shot. And then everything else was just like. They're just fluffing their lines, man. They just could not finish an opportunity. Um, so I would say to to watch out for Ward Prowse and Diallo, as as you know, as mentioned earlier. I think they're going to be looking to apply pressure from the midfield. I think especially as they may not be as involved in the attack, they are going to be freed up to to press um, if if possession is lost, you know, on those long passes. Because I mean. Long passes sometimes also just give the ball away. I think it's just yeah. I think it's all silly. I think everything that they're doing is silly, and Ralph's setup looks silly. And um, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a silly win for us. 
I think that if Newcastle win by three goals or more, then I think I don't think I, I mean I, I bold of you to say Hasenhutl is going to last to Liverpool, but if this gets if this gets if Newcastle beat this team the way that they have beaten other teams in the past, it, I I just I don't see why. You, I think you just you just fire him and 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 start the managerial search. Like there's... I will tell you, their one shining hope is they they are still in the run for the cup. So if they they take the loss on the chin, they say okay, and you, and you may even hear this. You may hear this in the media. Yeah, they bought all these players. Like that same refrain. Well, Newcastle beat us because they spend the money. That makes other teams feel better about losing to us. That's how they justify it. It do, it doesn't. We have to learn to not let that bother us. But we're going to hear that. And I think Ralph's I mean, it's, I, it's Ralph tough survives. to say that when when you just rattled off the names that you and I know that, but you and I know that, right? But like, yeah, yeah. but like, uh, yeah, I, they've got a cut just match think, just like we I, do, and I, I think they I mean, keep think Ralph it, to get through that. If he should lose know. that cup match, though, there's no reason for him to stick around. None. I would say even if he wins that cup match, and they even I don't think they're going to beat us or Liverpool, but even if they should get three points from those win or lose the cup match. I don't see Ralph coming back at the end of the, at the you know, after the world cup, I think he's gone. And... I, th- I mean, I think, I think, I think if they, okay, if they lose to Newcastle and it's three, nothing or two or two, one or something like that, that yeah, they'll hold on to that little bit of hope of like, well, it's a good team. They're in the top four. You know, they're, they're playing out of this world player of the month, manager of the month, all other, whatever. But we haven't seen, like we've seen Newcastle, you know, put five past someone this season, but it still feels like we're like that Villa match could have easily been six nil. Yeah. Like I think we hit the post twice. Like and Jacob Murphy unfortunately was one of the guys who hit the post. Um, but it just feels like there's if if a team is going to set up in the way like they're you're playing into Newcastle's strengths. I don't understand how I mean I, I kind of understand how Palisson score more than, than the one goal, um, but with how well Newcastle's attackers are playing right now and the hunger that you're seeing from the attackers and how well Bruno's distributing, it just feels as if this could be really ugly if if Southampton get their tactics wrong, which they have for the majority of the season. So yeah. I mean if it's like a if it's if it's demoralizing I think there's just no way you can move on cup cup run or not because you also have to remember like you can't prioritize a cup run when you're in 17th. That's you true. simply cannot. And I mean, in, in as Newcastle fans, we've seen this the past few seasons. You throw out the youngsters because you cannot afford to lose another. You can't lose another Kyle Walker Peters because you played him in a cup match, and that doesn't guarantee you Premier League football next season. Like that, the, you you have to focus on the league. And so I don't. I just don't. If if it if it gets ugly, I I, I you have to fire him Monday. Like you you just have mm. to like just move on, clean slate. Try to fi- start your managerial search early. Get it get it done before the World Cup, so that you have the entire World Cup break to instill some stuff. You get some guys really jazzed and excited about you know whatever the new manager, whoever you know whoever they bring in, and you're still in a decent enough. You're early enough in the season where. You might be able to attract someone decent. You've got the names. You, you, who knows? So I don't know. I think you just you take the, the just blow them out of the water and and. Maybe I mean, if Villa could get Unai Emery, why can't Southampton get Pochettino? Well, okay, let's let's calm down there. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into predictions. What do you got uh, for prediction wise? Look, there's two. I mean, there's the reality, and then there's the alternate reality. Um, there, I think the reality is Newcastle probably smashes them four four to one. You know, um, if that one comes as a consolation goal at the end of the game, you'll see you'll see a four to one. Um, however, however, my alternate reality is this: my fine feathered friend, um, Ralph Hasenhutel, also is a vastly experienced manager knows more about football than I will ever forget. And he earned his way to be a manager of a premier league team um, based on merit and insight. Um, and it could be very well be that he's done all of the same analysis that we've made and he attacks in a different way. And it, it is possible. And, and if I were him, um, I would change the way I play games and I would just throw everything I had at Newcastle. Like I wouldn't, I would just be like fierce and fearless and just attack, attack, attack and, and, and get that first goal. Right. And it's, it's a home match. It's what the fans want yeah. to see from, from them as well. So, yeah. I mean, uh, if they go get that first goal and then they bunker, then, then we're back to seeing if Newcastle can break down the bunker, you know, and, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's fair. it'll be interesting. So yeah, it could be a four, one win or it could be a one, one. I don't know. Yeah. It could be what we saw kind of what, or it could be what we saw with, Without City and Champions League this oh, week, yeah. where mm-hmm. it was, you know, they went down and it felt like bunker, bunker, bunker. How can this team break through? And they played a heavily rotated side. And still, just like once once they got the first goal, the floodgates opened. And so I think that'll be the interesting thing is that I, there hasn't been teams so far that have responded well. And I think this is a weird thing. I don't know if we can track this, but I feel like Newcastle have been one of the only teams that I've seen that have, and Man City, I think as well, and Arsenal to an extent that have responded well, or you know when they're when they've gotten punched in the face, whenever their plan hasn't worked, especially yeah. in October, like there were times where I mean we we saw offsides goals disallowed early on, all that kind of stuff, and then Newcastle would still end up winning, you know three three one or three nothing or whatever it is. Um, so I, I don't know if, if we're seeing the lower half of the table have any of that. It does feel like anyone we've played in that lower half of the table, whether it's Everton, whether it's uh, Bournemouth, whether it's, uh, I mean, Villa, like, I, don't, I think we played Wolves in Leicester and Forest, but like whoever, whoever we play in that bottom half of the table, like you get one goal against them and they just completely crumble. They're just completely demoralized already. And then at that point you're just putting – Goal and goal, goal after goal after them. I think realistically, I could see Newcastle winning this this five nothing. Um, I think, like you said, in alternate reality, I could see a, a draw where Southampton are playing out of their mind. Sort of manager could get fired, bump type of thing. Um, but I just, it's it's weird. It's what George Calkins talked about, where you just don't believe what you're seeing at Newcastle. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It, it can't. This can't be reality. We can't be a good team. But then you look at it, and it's like. The back line is the best back line in the Premier League. Like it's not even a a an opinion. It's literally on paper we have we're the joint best defense in the Premier League. So it's like as much as I like, I'm like, oh, maybe there's an alter reality where where we we draw two two or something like that. It's like that just hasn't happened. Yeah, maybe we're just saying <laughs> maybe just saying that to like protect my own emotions, right? Because I yeah, don't want like you you don't want to be disappointed. It's like exactly. the only team that we you know we've. That's been an actual sort of reality for Newcastle was Manchester City, <laughs> it's like, and uh, and of course like Liverpool at the death. That's that's a whole discussion. But 
yeah, I mean, the Castle really haven't given up more than more than one or, or zero goals this yeah, season. There's so. there's two there's two things that are facts. Here's there's two things that are facts. Um Newcastle United don't give up goals and Southampton don't score goals. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> take be, take take that take that as you will. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, Josh, uh, I've got one final question for you because I forgot to ask your questions yet again. I'll do better next time, I promise, people. Um, I have one question for you. There's been a lot of talk now, and I alluded to this earlier, about, oh, do Newcastle deserve to be in the top four? Are they for real? All that kind of stuff. And I'm curious because I'm in this weird space of I saw a video that I didn't read it. I'm sorry, you don't read videos, but I didn't click on it. But it was like a Sky Sports segment on like who Newcastle should sign in January if they're challenging for top four. And I'm just curious. I want to hear your opinion, not specific names, but do you think there's like an area in which Newcastle could improve? I feel like if you're healthy right now, it feels like the way that they're playing, barring injury, maybe it just feels like there's not really like, there's not like an area I'd say we need to desperately improve in January. Maybe like fullback cover, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe another central midfielder. Like, like I feel fairly good about the attack now that Miguel runs in the, maybe you get another young attacker, but then again, it's like Alexander Isak is, played out wide and has looked good and it's just weird i don't know do you have any thoughts on that i just thought it was an interesting thing to think about um as we start to wind down the football we'll be seeing from the prem uh uh you know world cup i will yeah i'll I'll go i'll go in a couple different directions with this question and i'll say at the end of the last transfer period i was a little disappointed that we didn't add some depth and i know that we've got over this week after week especially repeating the fact that yeah the Previous starters who have now played a bunch are now the depth because there's new guys that are also very good. Um, case in point, Bruno has come in and played for us now for what six months, eight months now, and it's just he's outrageous. Yeah. He's outrageous, man. I I love him. Um, I you can always get better, Elijah. Like you can yeah. always you can always improve the side, and it's just part of also suspending the belief that the players we have are you know, they're, they're the pinnacle. They're not the pinnacle. Like even as good as, as good as Miggy is playing right now, there's somebody out there that's better than Miggy that mm-hmm. would slide right in. And we'd be like, Holy shit. This guy is so yeah, good. I mean, the you know, people I don't like to Diaby's been unreal right now yeah. for Leverkusen. I mean, and they're not doing so well in the league, but champions league wise, he's still, well, that's really actually, good. that's actually when you want to get a guy, right? Because yeah. he's, he looks at this, his position in the league and he goes, you know what? I can go slide over here and they're top three, you yeah. know? And, and if Newcastle do the thing, if they, if they reinforce appropriately in January, Newcastle, not only deserve top four, but they earn top four and they shut everyone up. They shut them up. You know, it's no longer a matter of, of do they deserve it? It's a matter of like, um, looking at what Eddie Howe's done and just you, you can, all you can do is applaud. Yeah. I think right now, I think people are, I think we're now beyond the point of do they deserve it? I think people are like Newcastle's there to be here. It's one of those, is this sustainable? And you know, that's a fair point. Um, but you also look at like how Newcastle have played the mid table teams and how well they've played mid table teams, especially as of recent. And you're like, well, they're performing as, a team who is in the top six should perform. Mm-hmm. They are 
the the matches between the other teams in the the quote big six are competitive and they are taking care of business with the teams that are currently in the bottom half of the table and they're comfortably getting results against the teams that are in the middle the, in the that are mid table right now so that's fascinating i think yeah i think you like you you hit the nail on the head there you can always improve and i think uh i, I honestly it, it could be a, a case in which maybe and, and it, uh, by all means we there's no guarantee that Newcastle even makes signings in January. Um, and it all depends on. I don't know. I think they do. I think they do. I think they get, I think they do one. And here's why, here's why. Yeah. Um, I think that we're ahead of schedule. And I think that, uh, a year ago, Amanda Staveley had said, um, to the supporters, to the fans, um, to the coaches and, and to the staff. And she said, be patient. We're we're in this for the long haul. We know how far behind the power curve this whole club is. Um, we're going to improve every aspect of it. Um, here's the game plan. Be patient. Stick with us. We're going to get there. And she has kept to her word. The thing is that Eddie Howe has moved the yeah. has moved has moved the needle further along than I think she was expecting. But here's what happens. Yeah. But here's what happens is you go into. Um, it, December still has to be played. We're going to get November off. It kind of feels like we're going to jump right into January, but we're still going to have matches in December. I think we're going to have Boxing yeah. Day, et cetera, Boxing et cetera. Day. Yeah. So we're going to, so we're going to go, you know, we're going to, all of a sudden we're going to be cat, you know, cast back into a full tilt. But I think that they're going to take a look at the midfield and they're going to take a look at more dynamic attacking options. And I don't think that you could go wrong with adding um, one 60 million pound player. I think, and the that, reason and that's the route I was going is like I think that it won't be it won't be three or four. Of, of, it won't, yeah, it won't be three or four. But I do see. I don't see why you wouldn't bring in one or two really good players that you can slowly work into the team, team yes. like you did with Bruno. Really integrate them, get them comfortable, and then you know you have a full off season with them. And wherever Newcastle are, the the players feel comfortable next season as well. So I, yeah. I would agree with that, and I think you're spot on. I would love. As great as Bruno's been as a, as a six, who, who do you want? Who do you want? I don't. I don't. I don't have names. Targets in mind. I don't have names in mind. That's that's a different pod. We'll we'll, we'll revisit this in December, and I'll okay. Have I've but got I, one. I, I, I'll I, save I, it for December. I'll save yeah, it. Yeah. Well, no, you give me one now. Let me sure. give you my shout now because I want. Here's my receipt. I want receipts if we okay. can pull it off. Like I don't know if we have the pull for him yet. Um, mm-hmm. I know it sounds funny because we're quote unquote the wealthiest team in the world, but we also you and I both know that we're not. Like. We, we are backed by a lot of money, but that doesn't mean the money is going to be spent this way. And there but, still is a merit to like like Newcastle as well. as It's still a project in the eyes of many. And it's, yeah. an, it's an intriguing project, but there still is convincing that has to be done. Whereas if a player is choosing between Chelsea and Newcastle or Manchester United and Newcastle or Manchester City and Newcastle or as we've seen PSG and Newcastle. Um, sorry to Hugo Etika, however you say his last name. Yeah, it, t- tough decision by he's him. Suffering. But, he's absolutely suffering right now, and it's, it's glorious. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's there still is there still is going to be the the human factor of you know I grew up watching Manchester United. It's my dream to play for them. I grew up watching Barcelona. I grew sure. up, so there's that still. But uh, go on. Um, my my shout is for Chris uh, Christopher Nakuku. Um, okay, I think he plays for uh, RB Leipzig, and he is like. To me, I've been watching him play for a few years in the Bundesliga. I do Bundesliga yeah. fantasy football. I watch 
you know that I love Chris. Yeah, yeah he's great. He's dynamic. He's, he's incredibly fun to watch. I mean, um, he can yeah he can play anywhere along the the front three. He can drop back and play an attacking midfield position. I think. I mean, imagine imagine Chris coming back and playing playing with um, with Bruno as sort of a double a double midfield press. Like you can get miles and miles out of him anywhere anywhere in, in, in that in that side. So yeah. if you were gonna drop money on one guy, look I mean again, I don't know if we can pull him. I don't know how like yeah, and, and I bet that is. there's there's been some I know that he's been a, a guy that's been in it, there's been some links with Chelsea, I, I believe is one of the teams mm. uh, like eighty percent sure that Chelsea were interested in him at the end of the They window. would he's be been, of course I mean they're interested in every player and I but, just I'm desperately like desperate not to get Pulisic. Like, please, for the fucking love of God, do not sign that guy. Like he's all again, he's he's he is everything that I thought Miggy was. And there's a reason he's not working out at Chelsea because he'll have a brilliant game once in a while. But I don't think he's a brilliant player and I don't think he's a leader. I don't think he makes everyone around him better. I think he just does OK at his role. Mm. Oh, I love the spicy takes at the end, and I'll, I'm I'm fully agreeing with that. I have said this for almost a year at this point. The best front three, or I guess uh, I'm now going to say the best front three. I'll just say the best attacking duo we've had for the U.S. Men's National Team in the past year has been Tim Weah and Brendan Aronson. And that has been the best that the, the U.S. Men's National Team attack has ever looked. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm with you on the Pulisic train. I've actually, I, I used to follow Max Bredos, who he used to have a really, really cool show uh, with Hercules Gomez, um, a nice little podcast, and that's why I started following him. But it's been, it's insufferable now because he's just like such a, a homer. And he's like, look what happens when you play Pulisic. And he had one comment a couple weeks ago where Chelsea won, like 2-1. And they looked, they looked fine. They looked good. And he put like, he's like, this is what happens when you don't play Pulisic. And I was like, I literally responded. And I was like, I'm like, what do you mean? They won. And he's like, yeah, but I mean, like, like you play Pulisic in the right position, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And I was like, what a weird point to make when a team is won. That's like, yeah, someone winning the lottery and you being like, well, you know, maybe never. you should have invested in Apple when the stock was low. And it's <laughs> you like, never know what you're going to get. Who? Who Thanks. cares? They just won seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> they <laughs> Thanks, can invest in Apple. <laughs> so anyway, um, I I would I think Ninkuku would be an interesting signing. I think that's a that's I mean I'd say it's realistic. I I, I know there's going to be a host of clubs interested in him, and yeah. I and the only reason I do say I want to revisit and revisit this in December is you know World Cup year. There's always a few players oh, that yeah. make their that that out of nowhere become hot names and I'm not going to, I wouldn't say I want Newcastle to go after one of these hot names, but I'm curious to see how like an Nkuku who may not you know, like how he, how, what he's looked like as when, you know, maybe there's some hot French attacker that we haven't seen that is going to take, take the, take the reins and be really good. Um, For me, I would say if I were to spend 45 million pounds on a player, Sixty million pounds in a player. I think, like you said, it's either someone who plays across the front three, or I want a holding midfielder just so I can see what it's like that if you give Bruno the full offensive, like, hey, go play offense and press, and like you don't need to worry about covering the back line. 
because we have a destroyer in behind you that's like that comfortable enough on the ball yeah. to recycle possession, but it also allows Bruno because he's just so good at finding those little spaces to be in and then playing the right balls like in and around the box, like just just right outside the box. He just plays these really good balls. And so I just want him operating in that space in the final third is just something I want to see more of. And so if Newcastle can find a midfielder to play right behind him, um, that you know could clean up stuff and you know also run for for ages that'd be cool as well um so yeah we've we've overstayed our welcome with everyone uh but yeah that has been <laughs> again <laughs> another episode of uh chn radio uh with a little bit of a pol- christian politic bashing or um uh so i don't know this was this was a fun one uh again don't forget about the time zones if you're american maybe for the last time ever uh, I'm Elijah. That's been Josh. Away the lads, and uh, we love you guys. Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need more a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I may as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park At the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming